In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and today I'm joined by my colleague Jeremy Redman, who covers all things immigration for the AJC and is also following the ins and outs of our congressional races. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Let's start by talking about a red-hot trend in the Georgia's governor's race. That is illegal immigration, of course. The candidates have really been working to outdo each other on illegal immigration crackdowns, at least on the Republican side. What's going on here? Yeah, so you've got several candidates that are backing uh, efforts to get tough on immigration enforcement. And it comes at a time, you know, right after Trump was elected, he campaigned vigorously on immigration. And uh, so you've got Casey Cagle, the lieutenant governor, running for governor, and he's campaigning on um, doing a number of things. One thing he wants to do is uh, crack down on Decatur. He's filed a complaint. A liberal bastion, right? That's right. He's filed a complaint against uh, the city of Decatur with the Immigration Enforcement Review Board for allegedly violating uh, Georgia's sanctuary laws, which Decatur denies. And then you have uh, Kemp, the Secretary of State. Now he's proposing a database to track undocumented immigrants who may have committed crimes. He calls it the Criminal Alien Database, and it's become a really big part of his campaign uh, to the point where he's touting it at every stop. It's called the Track and Deport Plan, and it, if, to him it goes hand-in-glove with another plan he's got, which is an anti-gang initiative that he unveiled just a few days ago in the Marietta uh, Square that will crack down on MS-13 and other gangs, he says, uh, kind of mirroring the rhetoric of Donald Trump, who also uh, used that platform to help win his election in 2016. Exactly. So uh, they're taking a page from Trump's book. When Trump first announced that he was running for president, of course, he came out and talked about Mexican immigrants coming across the southwest border, referring to them as drug dealers and rapists. Uh, that type of rhetoric, you know, um, he he campaigned on it and he won. And so Kemp and Cagle have seen that. They're running in a Republican primary, so they need to sew up that Republican vote before they get in the general election. And the other three candidates, Hunter Hill, Michael Williams, and Clay Tippins, also um, have proposed a tough immigration crackdowns, but Michael Williams especially so. Yes. Yeah, so Michael Williams has proposed essentially expanding this 287G program. And what that mm-hmm. is, is it's like a basically a partnership between local authorities and ICE, and it helps essentially enforce immigration laws. So you'd be deputizing local sheriff's deputies to help ICE track down undocumented immigrants, arrest them, and seek to deport them. Now, we already have that now in six counties. Um, Bartow and uh, Floyd counties were the latest to join. Uh, Williams wants to expand it across the state. 
Now, let's, uh, let's be clear. Immigration isn't the only issue where we have Republican candidates trying to outflank each other. We've got escalating proposals on abortion, budget, tax cuts, Amazon, lots of things. But immigration always seems to be in the crosshairs, right? It does. So, you know, when you interview voters, uh, as you and I do frequently, they really don't cite immigration as a top issue for them. For them, it's a pocketbook thing. That's what they're really tracking is the economy, maybe public safety. Immigration certainly uh, draws their attention, but I don't hear that among the top priorities that voters are voting on. And the AJC's polls over the last few years reflect the same sort of dynamic, but they also show among the general election uh, electorate, you know, the November votes, the, the the broadest base of voters is not a big issue, but among Republican primary voters, and these are the tend to be the hardest core conservatives who actually show up on May 22nd and vote in these primaries, it tends to be a little bit more important of an issue. Certainly, I, I think that is the case. Um, but, you know, is it really going to move the needle? We'll see. You know, again, it was Trump's signature campaign issue. He did win on it. I think Cagle and Kemp are watching that closely. And they're, they're like I said, trying to take a page from his book. It's also interesting to see how the Democrats uh, and state Democrats respond to this. Um, You know, we saw in 2017, shortly after Trump's victory, Trump had campaigned on pledging to defund or withhold federal money to states and cities and campuses that declared themselves sanctuaries. Georgia already outlaws sanctuary cities, whatever that might be, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a debate over what a sanctuary city actually is. And shortly after that, we saw Mayor Kasim Reed, uh, university presidents all rush to kind of say, we're not going to be declaring ourselves sanctuaries because they were worried about losing federal funds. Right. So it's a, it's a pretty highly nuanced issue. What is a sanctuary city? It means different things to different people. And you've got uh, the city of Atlanta, Clayton County, DeKalb County, the city of Decatur have all staked out various different positions on a specific issue, and that is how do they respond to requests from ICE to alert them when they have somebody in their custody who is believed to be undocumented? And what it boils down to is there's this 48-hour period that ICE wants them to hold these folks beyond the time they would normally be released. And the legal issue here for some of these communities that have staked out different positions on this issue is they argue they cannot hold people beyond the time of their of their sentence because they believe that could be a Fourth Amendment rights violation for illegal search and seizure. Cagle has filed a complaint against the city of Decatur for violating state law on this issue. Decatur says it's acting legally and is not violating state law by any means. And Democrats broadly uh, running for state office have you know, of course, they've not seized on the illegal immigration issue to the extent the Republicans have. They've largely said that it's up to the federal authorities. Congress should should figure out a sort of a compre- comprehensive solution. It's not should not be up to the states. And secondarily, they, they worry that any of these crackdowns could hurt Georgia's pro-business reputation and really risk Amazon or whatever companies are, are, are scouting Georgia right now. Indeed, this is a perennial issue in Georgia's legislature where efforts to crack down on illegal immigration keep coming up. And the response time and time again from the Democrats, immigrant rights activists and so on is, look, you're really going to hurt our economy because, A, number one, agriculture is our largest industry and it depends heavily on migrant Hispanic workers. But beyond that, there is an issue of other companies that are looking to relocate into Georgia and what message this sends about companies that may employ foreign-born residents who are legally allowed to work in the United States. Amazon, for example, Facebook. When a bill came up in the last session that just passed, mm-hmm. uh, just finished here, there was Senate Bill 452. It stalled in the House, but the activists who were opposed to it, they sent letters to Facebook and Amazon saying, look what they're doing, trying to do with this bill, which essentially required prosecutors to alert 
Homeland Security when they were sentencing suspected undocumented immigrants. They said, you know, look what they're trying to do here in Georgia. Do we really do you support this Amazon and Facebook? Do you want to come to Georgia with this? And they actually named their coalition Adios Amazon to sort of drive home that message. And the message always was, it's not just Amazon. Amazon's the biggest jewel out there, right? 50,000 high-paying jobs, Mm -hmm. 20 finalists, including Atlanta. Um, But it was also about these, you know, the smaller companies that are also looking at at jobs expansions in Georgia, worried that sending the wrong message, whether it be in rural Georgia where, you know, 50 jobs is a huge deal or in metro Atlanta where 500 jobs is a huge deal, would, would risk those, would jeopardize those pursuits. Yeah, we can't uh, overstate the importance of the agricultural industry, too, though, in Georgia, when you've got what I think it's over $80 billion in revenue that it brings to the state. Depends heavily on migrant Hispanic workers. But when you talk about these high-tech companies, what often happens is they bring in people through visas, right, who are legally allowed to work in the United States. They may need to drive here. They may need to interact with our government agencies for paperwork or that sort of thing. The concern is what message does it send to those type of workers when you're staking out these positions on immigration? And that's what's interesting about these immigration packages. You you often see alliances between urban Democrats and rural Republicans who are really worried about the the, the risk it poses for agricultural bills. And this year, uh, it should be noted, uh, all of those immigration legislation that the critics had so worried about, they all got scuttled. And one of the reasons that at least Democrats say why that happened was because Republicans in the legislature are facing a new wave of competition. They're facing many, many opponents this year, some of them for the first time in years, if ever, they're facing, uh, you know, competition from well-funded Democrats. And so they're worried about not having anything to take home to their districts and or worried about having something that could be labeled as discriminatory on the campaign trail. Yeah, what's interesting is you have a lot of first-generation and second-generation Americans now running in some of these statehouse races, particularly in Gwinnett County. Um, I wrote about this recently, and you've got folks who were originally born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, Sri Lanka, Taiwan. Uh, there's a former dreamer who is uh, running in the House District up in Gainesville. Palacios is her name. Um, you have the daughter of Pakistani immigrants who's running in uh, a Gwinnett seat there. Uh, Yakub is her last name. She works with uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice. She was among those who were opposing the Senate legislation on immigration that stalled in the House. Um, But there's also – this is happening in the congressional races as well where you have first-generation Americans in the 7th and 6th districts just north of Atlanta. You've got several. Um, You've got Kevin Abel uh, who immigrated here from South Africa and Ethan Pham who came here from Vietnam as a refugee. And David Kim, another candidate for 7th district, is a second-generation immigrant, right? His his parents are from Korea. Yeah, so he was born uh, in the United States to South Korean immigrants. And uh, all of these candidates we talked about that are running in those congressional races have been very vocal about immigration and their rejection of Trump's rhetoric on this issue. Yeah, let's boil down on that. Let's let's narrow in on that. The 6th District goes from uh, East Cobb, the North Cab. It was the home last year, of course, of the most expensive U.S. House election in the nation's history, $60 million. The 7th District is, is almost as interesting. That is most of Gwinnett County, not all of Gwinnett County. But most of Gwinnett County and then half of Forsyth County, which is a very deep red sort of stronghold, um, Representative Rob Woodall is the in- longtime incumbent there. And Karen handles the the uh, facing her first general election challenge over in the sixth. What what have they made of the whole illegal immigration debate? Yeah. So um, I attended a forum recently where Rob Woodall went up against uh, Shane Hazel, who is going to be his Republican primary opponent. 
And, you know, Woodall is, is, is saying two things. One is, you know, immigrants um, enrich us by, you know, coming in our communities and contributing to our economy. Um, and he said they're an important part of the community. But at the same time, he's been echoing some of what Trump has been saying about terms of enforcing immigration uh, laws. Um, and in, in the situation with Handel, she's been silent about the issue. Uh, we, we sought to interview her for a piece recently about these first-generation Americans, and they declined to be interviewed. But like Woodall, she's been um, echoing, mirroring uh, what Trump has been saying about border enforcement, for example. Um, what's interesting, though, is to what extent you know, is, are these campaigns from the Democrats going to work, given that while these districts are highly diverse, particularly the 7th District with Gwinnett County, you have a lot of Asian Americans, a lot of Hispanic Americans that are in there. So you've got that diversity, but what, what the problem for them is, is the, the percentage of them who are registered to vote mm-hmm. is extremely small in comparison. While say, Asian Americans make up a big percentage of Gwinnett County, they are really a tiny, small fraction of the actual registered voters. Can they mobilize them and get them to support them? And that's the interesting thing about that, the 7th District race. Rob Woodall has said this many times. Look, Gwinnett County went blue for the first time since Jimmy Carter's presidency in 2016. So Rob Woodall said, if my district was just Gwinnett County, I'd be in a whole heap of trouble. But because it also includes, it doesn't include all of Gwinnett. There's two other congressional districts that have slices of Gwinnett. But also because it includes that south of Forsyth, that South Forsyth territory, which is Trump won that county by a huge margin. It's a very Republican bastion. And the Democrats have really had a long time problem establishing a foothold there um, that, you know, he's he's in much better shape than he would have otherwise been. Yeah, that's a good point about Forsyth County. It is uh, definitely was dominated by Trump supporters in the last election. But let's not forget that Woodall is facing a primary opponent is someone not to be mm-hmm. underestimated. This is a Marine Corps veteran, Shane Hazel, who is running to the right of Woodall on a lot of issues. On immigration, for example, uh, Hazel, during uh, the forum I attended there in Forsyth County recently, he talked about bringing troops home from conflicts abroad and stationing them on the border to help enforce immigration laws. Hmm. And on the Democratic side in the 7th District, there's, what, a half dozen candidates? You mentioned Pham. You mentioned David Kim. There is a, a Democrat from Forsyth County that's trying to make her pitch about mobilizing Forsyth County Democrats. There's several other contenders, including Steve Riley, who ran a few years ago and got trounced by Rob Woodall. He hopes that new energy around Donald Trump will really help his bid. So that's a really, uh, that, that could be a really competitive race. Yeah. So in the, the Karen Handel district, uh, it's interesting because you, you've got Kevin Abel is the one we mentioned earlier who immigrated from South Africa. He just came out with an ad this week on this very same issue you and I are talking about where he directly addresses Trump looking directly into the camera with a very grim expression on his face and going after Trump for essentially holding DACA recipients hostage is the words he uses in it. And that's a reference to how Trump back in September moved to cancel the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. This was created by the Obama administration for young immigrants who were brought here by their parents. And so Abel in this ad discloses that he himself is an immigrant. And in the end, he blasts Trump at the end of that ad. So he's He's campaigning directly on this issue. And this is an effort, I think, from the 6th District Democrats to really seize on a single issue early on to, to distinguish and define themselves. You've got Abel with illegal immig- well, with immigration in general. Yeah. You've got uh, Lucy McBath, who is a nationally known gun rights, uh, uh, sorry, gun control activist, yes. whose son was killed about six years ago in a murder in Florida. Um, 
who, who has become, he was a former Delta flight attendant who became a national figure uh, and has helped lead the, the, the movement now uh, for, for gun control. And you've got Bobby Cable, a former CBS 46 news anchor who recently unveiled his first ad saying essentially, I love Obamacare, making it about health care expansion. Right. So uh, they, there was a recent forum for the Democratic uh, Jewish Women Salon that uh, they had here in Sandy Springs. And all three candidates, McBath wasn't there, but uh, Capel and you had uh, Abel. And Stephen Knight's the fourth. Yeah, candidate. and Stephen Knight. So uh, Stephen Knight Griffin. Um, all three of them sounded off in support of Obamacare. Uh, for Capel, it was very personal. Um, he had two two children uh, recently that born had a, prematurely, right? born prematurely, a very touch and go situation. And healthcare is a was a vitally important issue for his family. He's out with an ad recently on this issue. Yeah. So this is it's a very interesting race. And we're also seeing, as we mentioned earlier, trickling down to the state house races because there is a wave of state house races that were barely contested in years prior that are now suddenly hot, you know, hotly contested. There are something like twenty. There is about two dozen state house seats held by Republicans that Hillary Clinton won in two thousand sixteen. All those are in the crosshairs, and as you mentioned. And several of those, and really from both parties, it's not just Democrats, immigrants yeah. who are running. There's also many Republican first-generation immigrants running for these seats. Yeah, that's what's really interesting is uh, you've got – I could think of at least three off the top of my head so that are running in districts within Gwinnett County, that very diverse county we've been talking about. Again, they're from Congo, Taiwan, and Sri Lanka, all Republicans, right? And in the case of the, the uh, Congolese immigrant who's running in the Grayson area – now, he's really interesting because he came here through the diversity visa lottery program, right? And this is a program that Trump has been railing against and wants to cancel. And I asked this Republican who's running for this. He said, well, you know, he was aware that he was able to come through this and he was fortunate to be able to come to America through it from Congo. But he's lukewarm, he said, was the word he used on whether to cancel this program or not. By the way, that underscores just how hard it is for Republicans in Georgia uh, to deal with the Trump issue. There's very little room in Georgia for, for never Trump movement. Um, you, you, it's hard to find any major candidate or even candidate for statewide office with, with many bad things to say about Donald Trump. Um, basically, all the never Trumpers were purged out of the party in either 2016 or early 2017. Um, so you, you see a very uh, uh, tentative uh, – people get very nervous when it, when it comes to – when reporters ask them – to criticize Trump, at least Republicans. Democrats right. have no problem. Right. Now, in the, on the side of the Democrats, um, there are several of them explicitly running on anti-Trump oh, yeah. campaigns. Uh, Ethan Pham has been very vocal against Trump's immigration proposals. And again, we have Kevin Abel out with this ad directly addressing Trump uh, and talking about DACA this week. And for Republicans, it'll be really uh, fun to watch how they react to Trump because you saw in the 6th District – when the specter of Trump becoming, when the specter of that race becoming a referendum on Trump, I don't think that race was a referendum on Trump, but when it became pitched as that nationally, it ended up turning out so much Republican turnout that, you know, it became a four point victory for Karen Handel. So in some districts, Republicans are more than welcome, more than happy to have it turn into, you know, being cast as a, re a referendum on Trump. And others, you know, especially in some of these swing districts that Hillary Clinton won by pretty big margins, they do not want this to be a litmus test on Donald Trump. Now, you know, in the case of the seventh district, that's particularly interesting because of everything you just said, where Woodall has got a very diverse district, where Gwinnett went for Hillary Clinton, you know, Forsyth again went for Trump. But in the recent forum I watched him where he went up against Shane Hazel, he praised Trump. 
talked about his his negotiating tactics. He praised him for that. And he talked about the Robert Mueller investigation and said Mueller has found nothing that he's disclosed about any allegations that have been lodged against Trump and was somewhat critical of that of that uh, investigation. Though he said he believes it should continue, he, he said it's time to essentially you know put your cards on the table. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great having you this week. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And follow all of Jeremy's coverage. He can be found at Jeremy L. Redman, R-E-D-M-O-N, at Twitter. And I am at Bluestein at Twitter. Now it's time for my favorite part of the program, AJC James Salzer's Phrase of the Week. Clean Bill. A clean bill is legislation that centers on one topic and kind of says what the author wanted it to say when all the legislative sausage making is done and the bill finally passes. We've heard a lot about clean bills uh, this year after a bit of a debacle on legislation last year that um, would make adoption easier uh, in Georgia. Uh, The House passed a bill. The Senate amended a religious liberty light uh, measure to it and ended up dying for the session. So we fast forward to the 2018 session and the governor and speaker both said, we want a clean bill on adoption. And uh, Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, the Senate president, kind of indicated that a deal was near that they would uh, have a somewhat clean bill. Uh, Only uh, same day, it winds up in a Senate um, committee, and they add a whole bunch of doodads to it, uh, and the once clean bill has suddenly gotten dirty. We're rolling over here. We're working. For more political stories, visit politicallygeorgia.com. As we mentioned earlier, you can follow us on Twitter at Bluestein and at Jeremy L. Redman. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. And thank you for listening. See you soon. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.